um, being mended by gold. And I'll tell you more about what that means in a few minutes. But really, what happens within the midst of our brokenness? And um, so as I started thinking about a lot of that, God actually took me back to the first um, mission statement that and vision, well, the only mission statement, vision statement that I had written for my life um, prayerfully with him when I was 19. And um, and um, I was looking at that, and it was, it, a summary of it is, was to love and serve and to, and to lead others to Christ. And then I had written under that all the steps of how that was going to happen, right? Here's the, here's the vision God gave me, and the great vision God, okay, here's how it's going to happen. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm actually going to marry a pastor because I really want to be involved in ministry, um, and you know, I had it all planned out. So underneath my um, mission statement were all these goals that I had established. And here's what happened. It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. And as I read each one of those goals, my heart broke again because I was like, God, I'm still not married. And God... I, 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 I'm not, you know, what this or that or whatever. I'm not going to go through all of them. But I want to share with you what God shared, has shared with me over the last six to nine months as I've really contemplated some of that and thought, what does this really mean? Because really what happened is that I had to die to each of those ghouls for me to walk into the fullness of what the Lord had for me. But that required breaking. And what does it mean as the body of Christ to be broken? And as I started thinking about that, then I started thinking, that's how the world is going to know what we stand for. If we're able to stand in saying this is what our Father God has done in and through us as we've been obedient to him, as we walk in wholeness in him, you know, in him because of being obedient. So let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would um, use this time, God. Um, I give you permission to use me, speak through me. Lord, if there's things I've put on these notes that you don't want me to say, then please silence my mouth. And if there are things you want me to say, then Lord, I just pray that I'd be obedient. In your name, amen. One of the scriptures that I've always um, stood strongly on is Jeremiah 29, 11. I alone know the plans I have for you, plans to bring prosperity and not disaster, plans to bring about a future um, you hope for. And if you know me, you know, I told the story about when I was 19 and my vision statement and all my goals, but every month I sit down and I plan my goals and here's my month and I set my structure and so I still do some of that, but I've learned now that instead of saying, here's how it's going to be, to say, God, here's what I think you're saying, and if you want to change it, you can change it. And um, the last year of my life, in some of the things that I've had to walk through, I've really started to understand at different times what some authors have meant when they talk about the deep night of the soul. There's been some really hard, hard things that I never thought I would have to to walk through or figure out how to deal with or that and if, again if you know me I like to figure things out and think things through and you just can't think some of the things through that I've had to walk through I've just had to trust God and so um, when we started working on this conference um, the theme was mended by gold and we're working with foster and foster adopt parents that are walking through really really hard hard things 
and they um, have felt really called by the Lord. The Lord called me, the Lord called me to do this. Now, why is it so hard? Any of you felt like that in what the Lord has called you to do in your life? The Lord called me, and why, why is it so hard? And, you know, it's one thing, I think, to be broken in our stubbornness. You know, at times where it's like, okay, this is what I feel like God's called me to do, and I'm going to stand strong, and I'm going to do it. God wants us to bend in the wind and, and flex, but we're being stubborn, and, when, and, and then you realize your brokenness came because of your stubbornness. It's another thing when brokenness comes when you feel like you're bending in the wind and you still feel like you're being broken or that there's scars that are coming and, and, and hurts. And, and so really praying through, what does that mean? How do, how do we walk through that? And I keep coming back to that scripture, I alone know the plans I have for you. And they are plans to prosper, but what prosper means in the kingdom may not, mean, may not be the same as what it means for us. Or it may not be how we have defined it or thought that it would be in our lives. And I think one of the lies that the devil um, has really planted, in, at least in my heart, but I think in many of our hearts, is that if you're walking fully in God's will, that you won't experience any pain. And I would gather to say that if we're walking fully in God's will, there's going to be pain. There's going to be stretching, and it's going to hurt at times. And you know why? Because if there isn't, we don't lean into him as we're walking through the tough times. And he doesn't want us to get, he doesn't want to just start us on our way, and then we're able to go, yeah, I can keep going. He wants us to start us on our way, and then we have to lean into him. We have to continue to trust him and continue to cry out to him to, to stand with us and to, to really be there um, with us. You know, have you been in a situation where you um, thought you were 100% obedient to God and you found yourself in more pain? You found yourself struggling and you found yourself wondering, why? How does, how does this work? What are we doing? Why, does, why is it working this way? And then what do we do? What do we do when we experience some of that pain? Do we give up and run? I've done that. Do we question if we've heard his voice? I've done that. Do we continue forward? Sometimes I do that, but that's usually not my first step. Um, and, and, you know, I was thinking about some of this, and, and some of you know my story um, of becoming a mother. I um, have adopted um, two wonderful um, girls. I used to say little girls. Now they're young ladies. And, um, and, you know, that's not at all how I imagined becoming a mom. And, and I, was, I was remembering as I was praying about this and thinking and make, writing my notes and um, contemplating. And then as we were walking through this weekend, we were all, all the different foster parents at different times we were telling our stories. And, you know, when I was, I wrote my vision statement when I was 19. I was at a women's retreat here at um, Puget Sound when I was probably about 21, 22. And um, Zoanne Wilkie, I don't know if any of you know her, but she... Um, prayed for me, and she prayed for my, my kids. And I remember turning around and looking at her and going, I don't have any kids. And she goes, oh, you will. And, um, I, and I was like, yeah, I heard from God. It lines up with my vision, and yeah, it lines up with my goals. So any day I'm going to get married and have kids. 29, not married, no kids. 
30, not married, no kids. All my friends now are getting married and having kids. And, um, and in the midst of the pain of some of that, I started going, well, maybe what God meant, right? Instead of saying, God, what did you mean? And leaning into him, I started, well, maybe, God, what you meant is my kids are all my friends' kids, and I just get to be the best aunt that I can be. And I'll just live vicariously through all my friends. And that's, and it was great, and it was wonderful, and I loved being an aunt. And you know what? There were, now I look back at that, and I go, maybe that was a good deal, because I got to send them back. Um, but, but I um, remember at different times going, oh, Zoanne had it all wrong in what she prayed for me. And, oh, this is how it's going to be. And, and then God started speaking to me about adoption, and I'd talk a little bit about it. And one of my really good friends um, was um, pregnant. She goes, you know, you should really look into adoption now because I'm pregnant. And we'd have, you know, I'm like, and I, me going, I don't really know if that's what God has for me. And then finally coming to the place of, okay, I'll open the doors. And so I'm, I, and again, though, knowing that God was speaking, thinking, okay, I'm going to move forward through adoption. And, and as I'm telling this story, there were times of just deep, intense pain. There was deep, intense pain because I died to the idea that I was going to have my own kids and that I would live, by, you know, be an aunt. And then I had to, to again, reconcile that I'm going to adopt but I had a plan for how I was going to adopt. I did a lot of research, too, by the way. I can tell you about any, about any kind of adoption agency. I can tell you about the pros and cons of international adoption versus domestic adoption. I can tell you where it costs more, where it costs less. I can tell you all of it because I did all the research. I had it all laid out. All right? Right, Joel? He, 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 um, they were making a decision, and he goes, well, Yvonne did it, so it must be okay. Because I overthink it. I think my oldest daughter goes, Mom, just stop overthinking everything. I'm like, I just want to know all the pros and cons. So anyway, I, I had it all laid out. And so I had what I thought was God's perfect plan. I had been praying, but probably my prayers were more telling God how it was going to happen versus really listening. And I... Um, I started working with YWAM Adoptions, was working through the process, was taking one of the classes. And one of the classes we had to have to take is the same class you take if you're going to be a foster parent. So I walk into this class, and um, there's a social worker. And another part of my life is that I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. I work with a lot of kids um, with um, disabilities, kids have been in the foster system, and I happen to have worked with this social worker quite a bit. And she goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm thinking of adopting. Notice I didn't still say I'm adopting. I still said I'm thinking of it, because um, I still kind of had my foot halfway in, halfway out. And she goes, I'll get you a baby. And I looked at her, and I said, I'm not adopting through foster care. And she goes, oh, yeah, I can get you one that's legally free. It'll be fine. Okay. If you walk in the foster world at all, okay, it, it, it's a journey, and, it's, and, and, and I've come to this conclusion, regardless of how you have kids, there is a time of gestation, there is a time of labor, and there is a time of birthing, and, and it just happens in different ways, depending on how God has called to you to bring kids into your family, and so the time of, of gestation and, and labor and birthing for foster children can be very, very different. So I said, well, you know what? You can pray about it. I'll pray about it. We'll see what God does. So I got a phone call 
before I even had a foster license. She goes, well, get your foster license just in case. And I was like, okay, but I'm still going to work with YWAM adoptions. And I got a phone call from her, and she goes, I have a baby for you. And I'm like, well, I don't have a foster license. Great, it's not God's will. She goes, oh, I can have that for you by tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay. I'm at work when I got that phone call. And I'm thinking, I shut my, my door to my office. I'm frantically calling my friends. I'm calling my mom. I'm calling, and I'm just waiting for somebody to say, nope, this isn't God. Nobody was home. <laughs> my mom was at a meeting in like Cincinnati, and I'm calling and I leave this message, it's really important, you have to call me back. 48 hours later, she still hadn't called me back. I met her at the airport with a baby. She had no idea. So, um, which made my sister really happy because that gave her time to get here and help me with the baby instead of my mom getting to do it. So, but here was what happened though. I had to sit in my office and wrestle with God and it was painful and is this you, God? And this is not how I planned it to be. And it broke and there were cracks in my vessel of life because, because I had to die to the idea that I would, I would be birthing my own child. I had to die to the idea that, you know, all these things of how I imagined things could, could be or would be. But here's what I've realized. I wouldn't be doing some of the things that God has called me to do now if I hadn't walked that journey 16, 14, 16 years ago. See, God sees, God knows, we don't. We see just for this little bit. God sees the whole big picture. So when we're in these places, and if you think about a real um, cup or a vessel that we have that breaks... When something breaks, we typically have two choices, right? Right now. We tend to either throw it away or we try and repair it. How many of you have had like your favorite teacup or your favorite pot break and you get out the the super glue and you're trying to get it just right and you're trying to line it up just right and you have you find the little shards and you try and and you try and glue those little shards in because you don't want it, it to, you don't want those cracks, you don't want those breaks to be seen, right? Here's what I've been learning as I prepared for this conference and as, I've been, uh, as God's been working in me. God wants our cracks to be seen. He doesn't want to just throw us away or he doesn't want us to throw away the broken vessel. He wants to repair it and he repairs it in a different way. And so um, Mended by Gold is talking about this um, art that happened, that's a Japanese type of art. It's called um, kin, um, Kintzu. I can never quite say it. Kintzu. But what, here's, let me tell you what it is. It's a practice that highlights and enhances the breaks and adding value to the broken object by using precious gold to repair it. So when they repair the breaks, in the pottery, or when they repair the breaks with gold, it ends up being a stronger vessel than it was before it was broken, and it ends up being more valuable than it was before it was broken. And I started to realize that's what God wants to do for us. 
that brokenness is not always a bad, ta- bad thing, that sometimes God breaks us or allows us to be broken so that he can remake us and our lives can then be mended in a right way, in a stronger way, so that we can hold more, so that we have a greater capacity, so that we can make a difference in this world that he has placed us in. So that the world can see that what we stand for, not what we stand against. And, you know, I've got a teenager right now, or, yeah, she is a teenager. And I hear a lot, oh, so I just can't do that because we're a Christian home. And I'm like, no. And, and it's made me think even more of some, some of this. No, we don't do some of these things because of our relationship with Christ and helping her start to learn some of that and how as we are mended and and as he creates us and forms us into who he desires us to be, that we become stronger and we can have more of an impact upon our community. It's through this breaking that God can remake us into his image. You know, in Psalms it says a broken and contrite heart that God does not despise that. And I realize a lot of times that when my heart becomes broken, I tend to not only want to protect it from the people that are around me, I also try and protect it from God, right? I got, I got to get it all together before I can come and, and come before you, Father. So this is what God desires to do. He desires to mend us by, with gold. He desires to make us new, fresh vessels, So then the world will no longer focus on what we stand against as Christians, but see us for what we stand for, walking in a relationship with a loving Savior who heals and desires to bring wholeness to a broken world, to make us more vulnerable. You know, um, one of the the things that happens at this conference is there's lots of great talking, but um, every time we come together as a whole group, Um, there's always what they call a flip the script um, from the main stage. So they have somebody who was in foster care or somebody who's been adopted or somebody, you know, different people speak. And this year they had a birth mother speak who was on the other side, who had had her children in foster care. And she spoke of the brokenness, but then by encountering the wholeness of Christ, she, she was able to become whole and now is able to be a foster mom and, and fight for the rights of um, children within the system. That's what happens when broken people come face-to-face with somebody whom God has already started to heal, who God has already started to bring their vessel together. Because, see, when we're mended by gold, when we're not hiding our cracks, when we're not trying to hide the scars, then people all of a sudden go, oh, that happened to me. Oh, I, I, I have hope. Oh, I can, I can, God can do that for you, then maybe he can do that for me. And there are so many desperate people in our communities, so many desperate people in our workplaces that they want to know that they can be healed. They want to know that, that life can be different for them. See, when we share our scars, our cracks, versus hiding them, Here's what happens. Shame's gone, right? Because if, you, if you're hiding, if you're hiding that thing that you're, that you're ashamed of, it just makes you more shameful. And, and Satan wants us to hide it because it gives him power over us. But as soon as, you kind of, as soon as you say, you know what? This happened to me. 
and God healed me, and here's how he healed me, and I'm a new person, then all of a sudden, Satan loses his power, and shame is gone. Um, When we share, our faith increases, individually and collectively. How many of you have had your faith increase by hearing somebody's story, hearing somebody say, this is what God did for me, and you, yeah, I can relate. God can do that for me. You know, um, this conference that I was at, we started it seven years ago, and we had 125 um, foster parents at it. Uh, this year, we had 2,000 and al- almost 2,200, almost 2,200 people. And you know why, honestly, you know, there's great teaching there. There's great, there, there's, we have breakout sessions. We, we give them tools for working with kids. There's so much that happens there. But honestly, I think the reason why people come and come is because they can be and see, oh, I'm struggling with this, but you've already been through it. And so I can have hope and I can keep walking. And I can keep, I, I can have hope so I can keep going. And so as we share our stories, it, it increases our faith. And, you, you know, I, um, if, if faith was palatable, I think sometimes it is somewhat, but when you, we walked in there with that first session, there was a lot of weary, tired families there. Last night when we walked out, and these are after three 12-hour days, there were a lot of energized Families, families walking back going, I can do this. And I think it's because of the sharing of the stories and the increase of the faith that we can speak boldly of his faithfulness, but we also can speak boldly of our scars and not feel some of that shame. So how do we do this? And, and oh, Kari warned me about this. My notes just kind of moved a little bit. Okay. So how is he able to mend us with gold? I'm going to share just the three things that the Lord started teaching me over the last few months, probably almost a year now, um, as I've been really um, walking through this process. Because see, here's what I realized. My vessel of my life, there's pieces missing that are scattered, that are, from, that are somewhere back there still in the past, that I'm still having to go before the Lord and allow him to bring those back and mend them. And I'm having to actively say, it's okay, God. Yes, I'll go back and face that. And yes, I want you to bring it back because I want to be whole in you. And there's still cracks in my vessel that are very carefully put together with super glue that I'm not ready yet or I haven't yet shared that I know that God wants to mend with gold. He wants to replace that super glue with his gold. He wants it stronger. He wants people to be able to um, see. He wants us to be able to share. He wants that wholeness. And so what I um, started to realize is that the first thing that I needed to do was really start spending more time in his word. And I'm, you know, I work. I'm, um, I have two kids that have, have um, their activities and it's really easy to put off time in his word. 
and, and kind of go, well, okay, I do, you know, as I, Lord, as I'm driving Rebecca to her gymnastics, I'll pray, or I'll put a worship song, and I'll just worship, or, you know, God, as we're doing this transition, I'm like, you know, it's called, you know, I call it drive-by relationship with God, right? Hi, God, how are you? I'm doing great. I hope you're with me, because I'm keeping going. But he really wants us to spend time with him. To, to know, because that's how we're going to know how to put the pieces together. As we rest in his word, as we, as we really read that word, and as we um, learn who he has called us to be. It says, the Lord is near to the discouraged. He saves those who has hope. And he's near to the brokenhearted and saves those with a crushed spirit. Or he says, I, as you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. But for all of that to happen, we have to be with him. And then as we start to know his word, then, um, you know, I, 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 well, let me back up for a minute. What, what was happening then, when I said I had my vision statement and I had all my objectives, I actually pulled out the old um, vision statement and I should have brought it. It was written on an Apple IIe computer. Do you guys remember those, right? So it's on the paper that's all still perforated but stuck together. And, you know, there's, here's my little mission statement, and then there's two pages of goals of how it was going to happen. And what, I've had, what God has had me do is pray through and align those with his word, and some of them I've had to give up, and some of them he's saying, see, this is how this has happened. And, and, I'm, and it's been a process. So spending time in his word allows us to evaluate through a good plumb line where we're going and what we're doing. But then the next thing that we need to do is we need to be still. And in our society, that's getting really hard to just be still and wait. Because here's what happens. Is he starting to mend with that gold? If you move too soon or too quick, the mending may not happen correctly. It shifts. It's not, it's not a complete work. And one of the things, one of the sessions at the conference is they actually had um, broken plates or broken cups and people could go in and glue them together and then go, paint them with gold paint. But here was what happened. After they had glued, the, here was a session, they glued them together, they had, then they had to leave it. It had to sit and be still to fully mend together. And then they could go back and, and get that. Sometimes it's so hard to sit and be still. But the quieter we can become, the better we'll be able to hear his word and hear how he wants us to walk, take those next steps or walk in him. Any of you read um, Anne um, Voskamp? Any of you read some of her books or work? If you haven't, you will. It's, they're, um, they're incredibly challenging and they're incredibly, um, for me, um, encouraging at the same time. And I want to read, she talks a lot about how to walk through the busyness of life. She talks a lot about um, gifts that are in life when you're still and you hear from God. And I want, I'm going to read a, a short excerpt from one of her books about um, being still because within the busyness of our society, it can be really hard. But she says, I've spent more time trying to control the crazy on the outside than I have working towards creating calm on the inside. 
This was a big revelation as the one that... I'm sorry. This was a big revelation. And I finally understood that the way you look on the outside matters some, but only a fraction as much as who you are on the inside. It's the same kind of shift that turned my attention from the external to the internal back when I was in my late 20s. And my attention has turned once again to the inside to provide the way to creating calm. I've never talked to anyone who has thought that getting still was a bad idea or practice. But but most people think it's a good idea for someone else because only a handful of people set aside time to do it. Why? Because when you try and get still, you will immediately encounter the kind of resistance that lets you know you're on the right track. You'll find that silence is uncomfortable, distraction has become a way of life, and fear is an aggressive bully. I mention these because it's very important to know just how normal they are. There are forces and fears that want to keep you from learning to be still and quiet in your own room. Because in your room, you might learn how to overcome those forces that keep you distracted, unhappy, and afraid. If we avoid stillness altogether, we don't have to think thoughts like, remember that silent retreat, Nicole? That wasn't your strength. I bet others don't have this fear. Why don't you focus on things you're good at and leave stillness to those who can do it better? When I'm falling down the rabbit hole of inadequacy, I have two choices, recognizing the forces and fears and standing up to them in order to cross the threshold into stillness or giving in to them because they're speaking truth and go start cleaning the garage. At 50 years old, I'm learning to stand up to them. I know their game now. When I call them out and refuse to allow them to deter them, I forge ahead to sit quietly in my own room, my sacred space, and submit to the kind of spirit work that is nothing short of the key to the life in God. Still and quiet are not bad words. They are not punishment or isolation. They are an opportunity to discover and cement our deepest identity. Those who seek to be still and quiet will find a beautiful portal through which God's voice of love can be heard in a world that drowns it in interference. After all, it's God who said, be still and know that I am God. It seems evident that knowing is connected to being still. I've had to read a couple of her books to help to start pondering and thinking how to be still, especially for me, because I like to go, 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 and my girls are busy, and so it's very easy to go, go, go. But there's a key word in here that in that stillness becomes connectedness. And I've found even in some of that stillness comes some of the connectedness for us as a family, that when we sit and we and, and we're quiet with each other, or we, or we sit and we do a game, it's not, it's not, maybe not, or a puzzle, maybe not 100% still, but it's quieter. We've gotten rid of some of the distractions. The cell phones aren't going, the TV's not on, you know, all of those other things that just kind of start bombarding us, that we, as a family, have some of those t- deeper talks. And I want my girls to learn that it's okay to just be quiet before him at times, that we don't always have to be talking Talking, 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 talking. And then the next and the last step is we have to be still, but then it takes time to mend. It takes time for that gold to bond. The word says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
I don't know about you, I hate waiting. Right? God, I asked you that question. Could you just answer it now? God, you said in my vision, you, I heard you when I was 19 that I was going to be a leader. I and I, my goal was to be a leader in the church. Not to go and get a graduate degree and become a doctor in, in rehab medicine and to teach around the country about trauma and, and kids that are struggling and all of these other things. Though that's, that was not my plan. And this still small voice goes, you're leading. Not the group I wanted to lead, God. You're leading. Not how I wanted to do it, God. I called you. They, when, you're, when you're over there speaking, they know who you stand for. But I'm not getting to preach the word. You are. You're doing it through your life. That's not how I wanted to do it, God. You guys have those, those conversations with him? Right? Wanted to have a family. You've got a family. Not how I wanted it, God. I love him to death. I'm so happy. I'm so blessed with what God has done. And I would not, I, I sat at that conference this uh, last night, and I was sitting here at worship, and they did good, good father. And I, I texted a couple of my um, friends from the conference, and I said, I am so broken right now, and how am I going to even be able to get up in front and share? Because all I could do is sob because he's a good father. And I stood there, and he said, see, see, this education, see, this training is allowing you now to minister here. It is allowing you now to work with these families. And if I didn't understand trauma, and if I didn't understand child development, and if I didn't understand brain scans and all of these things, I wouldn't be able to sit and help some of these parents that I've had a dark night of the soul. I've had a tough year. But some of these parents have had it way harder than I have. And how to stand there. And I'm like, oh, he's a good, good father we say here's our vessel and I will allow you as you break me for you to heal it and for you to put it back together so that I'm stronger and I'm better in you because now I'm not doing it in my strength anymore so where are you in your journey with our father do you have lost dreams false hopes and you've decided that maybe you've heard him wrong Maybe you didn't. Maybe you need to lean in. Maybe it's just going to be a little bit different than how you envisioned it. Have you been told by others, even fellow believers, that you couldn't possibly do whatever it is that you feel like God's called you to do? You know, John Dawson, who um, is is one of the leaders in YWAM, and I heard him speak once, and he said, those things that you dream in in the quiet and the stillness, when you're just sitting before the Lord, that's probably more the reality of what the Lord wants you to do with your life. And, and that we need to allow ourselves to dream and move and move forward by faith in what he's calling us to do. Have you allowed the, the pain and refinement of as he's processing you to prevent you from moving forward because it's too painful? Or have you tried to hide your scars and cracks from God 
from others because of shame. See, we all need to look at the vessels of our life. It could be shattered in pieces and scattered about, or it could be carefully put back together in a way that hides all of our scars and cracks. It could already be mended and put together by our Heavenly Father in in places and still has places that He wants to continue to mend. It can have parts that are imperfectly put together because we've desperately tried to do it ourselves, but God wants to come and mend those cracks with His gold. I sometimes, and I, you know, I've just thought about this a lot over the last year, and I've, I've had to, I'm like, okay, so then now as I've learned some of this, I'm like, okay, God, just do it all now. Mend me, make me whole. Here, here's, here's my vessel. Make it. And he's like, no, because life is a process, and there's going to be another time I'm going to be broken. There's going to be another time there's going to be a disappointment, but I hope what I do instead of trying to fix it myself or instead of trying to hide the scars that I say, here, God, would you, would you, would you fix it? Would you show me what your will is? Because I don't think my vessel will truly look like that wonderful Japanese um, bowl that we saw up here till I'm standing face to face with him in heaven. But I can't wait to see what it looks like. And if you remember, when you, if you remember that picture that they put up, There were lots of cracks. And did you see? There were places where there were whole chunks of the bowl missing. There was a whole large chunk of gold. And that's what God desires to do in and through us. So I would encourage you sometime in the next week or today, sometime to spend some time with God. Let him show you the vessel of your life. Let him show you places he wants to mend with his gold. Let him show you places where maybe you've left a piece behind that he wants to bring back and place correctly into that vessel. Maybe, you know, one of the things I've realized, some of the healing and some of the gold, some of that mending has happened when I share with others. Because then that is just putting that shame to the side and saying, this is what I'm struggling with and I need help. I can't do it by myself. So maybe what you need to do is find one or two people and share what God is speaking to you. Where are places he wants to mend in your life? Because here's what I believe. I believe that as Puget Sound Foursquare, we have an opportunity to show our community, our neighbors and our world, what we stand for, not what we stand against. That we stand for a relationship with a loving God. And our community and our world is going to see that as we allow ourselves to be mended with gold. And that as we share our cracks and as we share our scars with each other, So let's pray. Father God, we are so, so thankful. And God, I am so humbled by the depth of your love and the depth of your grace. God, I'm so humbled that you stand and you continue to woo and you continue to work and you continue to to encourage us even when we've run so far, when we think we can do it in our own strength. God, I pray that for here, for our church, God, that we would be a church where we wouldn't hide our cracks, where we wouldn't hide our scars, but God, that we would be a church where we could show the world 
that what it means to be a Christian, what it means to have a personal relationship with you is to lovingly walk arm in arm with you and allow you to heal and move in and through us, Jesus. God, you truly are our good, good Father. And we love you, Jesus. In your name.